from the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. To Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. And Magic Johnson is out there celebrating! Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. A time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe. From way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron. For three for the win! Yes! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. Yes. It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay, and with me this week, I've got a very special guest. You know him as a contestant on NBA's GM School. He also is a fellow sports business classroom alum and a regular on the program, Darius Scott. Darius, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, Garrett. What's up, man? How's it going? You know, pretty good. Every every trade deadline day, I'm a little nervous that uh, it's going to be disappointing. But uh, this year oh, was uh, was not at all. It was very exciting. There were a ton of moves. I think the fact that the you know with the Lakers having the injuries to LeBron and Davis, and even though the Nets seem like this juggernaut with three superstars, you know Durant has missed a ton of time, and given that nobody has really you know, separated themselves in terms of the standings, I, I I felt like it gave a lot of teams, it emboldened a lot of teams to to make win-now moves, and, and we saw that today. Yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't expecting uh, some of the teams to get involved the way they did, but, I mean, I think a, a lot of teams feel that because, like, the Lakers are down, the, hey, like, anybody can win. Exactly. So, yeah, Darius and I are going to break down every trade that uh, that we saw here on on trade deadline day, and uh, you know, at the end, we'll we'll kind of give our our thoughts as far as maybe a, a few teams that uh, we we deem our winners and a few teams that maybe were losers uh, from the the transactions. But uh, Darius, let's start. I know you're a big uh, Magic fan, and they were certainly busy. They were kind of the the headline in terms of. Uh, they were kind of going in the opposite direction with all the injuries and stuff that they've endured this year. Uh, they they decided to kind of to sell today, and and it started with a guy that I was not expecting to move, Nikola Vucevic, as uh, they traded the big man to the Chicago Bulls. They traded Vooch as well as uh, Al Farouk Aminu to Chicago for Wendell Carter Jr a 2021 first-round pick, which is top four protected, and a 2023 first. So, Darius, I mean, you know, I know you're a big Vooch fan. What do you think about that uh, that return for the uh, the All-Star Center? I mean, it was, it's obviously sad to see Vooch go because he's been, like, just a solid, solid player for an extremely, it seems like a pretty long time with the, with the Magic, but it was, like, this was, like, they made, moves today that they needed to make in order to get the franchise going in the right direction and I, I think for uh, Vucevic they got they got a solid return I, I, I guess with, with, with some of the other moves I, I guess we'll, we'll get to in a second I wanted to see like, maybe a little bit more but I think it went just in terms of like Nikola Vucevic it was like they I think the team needed to move on from him just because he has a big contract and the past couple of years the team has proven that 
best player, you can only pretty much get to the seventh or eighth seed, and you're going to lose in the first round in the, in, in, in five games. I feel like this is the move they need to make to to move in a, in a different direction starting next year. Yeah, and getting getting Carter Jr., who you know is a former top ten pick, has has disappointed, I would say, in his uh, brief time in the NBA so far. But he certainly has has some talent and is a guy that the the Magic will certainly give time to on the floor to see what they have in him. And they've got a couple of years uh, to to sort of figure that out. And uh, you know, they also getting a, a couple of first round picks. I mean, the the pick this year, even though it's top four protected. That could be pretty good, even if the Bulls end up end up uh, making the the playoffs. Now that they have the likes of Levine and Vooch as a duo, uh, that that pick could still be in the you know the the high teens or the low twenties. So still a, a pretty solid pick in what should be a good draft. And then you know you never know with with the the Chicago Bulls in twenty twenty three, and that that could be a, a quality pick as well. So I think that's exactly what Orlando was asking for. Right, was a couple of firsts and a young player and. And that's exactly what they got. Yeah, and I, I love the addition of Wendell Carter just because uh, the drafts a couple years ago when he got when the Magic took Mo Bamba, I actually wanted them to take Wendell Carter Jr. So I guess it uh, it was always meant to be. But like Wendell Carter, I mean, he's only in his like he's still extremely young, and he's dealt with a couple of injuries, so he hasn't been able to see as much floor time as he would he would he would need to, and. Now it's just a fresh start, fresh city. He doesn't have any, uh, there's pretty much nobody in, in his way. He's going to be the center of attention here. And, like, it's going to be, I think it's, it's, it's going to be a great fit with him and Jonathan Isaac. Like, they're going to be, like, a great defensive front court. And I, 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 this is a solid start or it's a solid restart to his career. So we'll, we'll get to the Chicago side of this later because they also made a few other moves, but let's get to the rest of the, the Magic dealings. And another move that they made was uh, dealing Evan Fournier to the Boston Celtics and, and Boston sending back two second-round picks. And I think part of the appeal for the Magic in, in doing this with Boston was because I think they got multiple offers from from other teams as well for for multiple second round picks, but the the appeal of Boston was that they could use their Gordon Hayward trade exception and not have to send any any players or money back to the Magic, and that seemed to to appeal to the Orlando front office. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anyone in Boston, just from just like seeing, just talking to a couple Boston fans and just seeing people on, on, on Twitter, like, nobody was pleased with Jeff Teague, and no one's sad to, to see him gone, and giving up t- two second-round picks is, I think that's a fair, that, that's more than fair for Evan Fournier, He's, who's going to be a, an extremely solid role player for them. I don't, I can't imagine him, I, I, I don't know, actually, I, I'm not sure if he's going to start or not, but either way, like, they needed wing depth badly, and he's going to fill that role perfectly for them. I actually like him as a starter, and, and I like, even though I don't think he's better than Smart per se, I, I think Smart is a nice fit for them off the bench because then he can kind of be the backup point guard for Kemba and then also can play the backup two uh, behind uh, behind Fournier. So I like him as a starter. I think, yeah, he does a, he does stuff off the ball. We saw a ton of actions in, the, in his time with Orlando with Vooch where Vooch would set sort of a pin down, and he would come off it and, and catch. He could shoot, drive to his strong right hand. 
you know, he, he brings a, another element to that Celtics offense. He's obviously a good floor spacer as well. He's a good shooter. And, you know, I think he's a he's an underrated defender. You know, he's not uh, he's not great. I don't even know if I would call him average, but, you know, I, I would say at worst he's just slightly below average. it's a I think this was a win both for both sides I think for Boston you know again not having to give up any of their young talent uh, I think they were hesitant to give up the likes of uh, of a Langford or a Neesmith uh, and and also not having to give up a first round pick and get a guy that uh, is a quality rotation piece I think is a good get for them and for Orlando you know it didn't seem like they had any intention of re-signing Fournier so uh, to get whatever they could for him I think is a reasonable reasonable move and the, uh, the 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 other big trade that the magic made was uh, offloading Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark to the Denver Nuggets and in return they uh, they acquired Gary Harris, RJ Hampton and a protected 2025 first round pick which is top 5 protected in 2025, 2026, and 2027, and I'm assuming then becomes unprotected if it still hasn't conveyed. But assuming Denver will be good in those years, I imagine they'll be getting a, a first-round pick uh, pretty soon here. But uh, yeah, as far as as far as Aaron Gordon, I guess first off, what do you think Gordon does for the Denver Nuggets? Of course, having just lost in this past offseason, Jeremy Grant, and they certainly uh, weren't able to fill that hole and that position until now. Yeah, I was, I was, I was just about to say like they had, I guess, a, like I, I didn't know Jeremy Grant was going to be able to step up the way he did in the playoffs last year with guarding in back-to-back series Kawhi and LeBron, but he did a pretty, I would say, ad- admirable job guarding both of those guys, and then they lose him. So now, literally, I don't think they had anyone up to the challenge to, to do that, and getting Aaron Gordon just fills that role perfectly for them, and he's another guy who can make decisions uh, in in the uh, just another off, off-ball guy who, if, if, if it's not Jokic, it's, you can put the ball in Aaron Gordon's hands and he can make solid decisions. Now, I don't know if you want him taking too many jumpers, but uh, he's, he, he's definitely a guy who can drive to the basket and, and, and create that way, as well as, like we just talked about him on the, on the defensive end. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's shooting around 40% this year, which is a career high, but it sounds like you're not... Uh... You're not a, a true believer in the jump shot quite yet. No, no, it's like for the whole time Orlando, it's been up and down, up and down, and I just like I, he, he's shooting well now, but I'm just curious, like when it comes to the playoffs, and if if, if teams choose to leave him time after time after time, like is that shot going to keep falling? 
What do you think about, you know, there was uh, there, there were talks after the, the deal had been made that uh, the, the, the Nuggets brass had, had communicated with Gordon and they feel pretty optimistic that he's going to be able to, and he's going to be happy to fulfill this role of, of being more of that defensive presence, being the off-ball guy. How do you feel like in terms of just his attitude, if he's going to be comfortable, you know, prioritizing the defensive end of the floor and also his ability to play off of Jokic with, with cuts and, and screens and, and, and movement. Yeah. Like he, he was always a guy in Orlando who like, he never, he, he, he was, he's the kind of guy who like somehow, some way he'll, he'll find himself with like 15 points and six or seven or eight, eight boards. Like he, he, you don't need to run plays for him. You don't need to feed him the ball. And somehow the ball will find him or he'll find rebounds and he'll, he'll still end up with like a solid stat line. So I don't think, I think he's going to be perfectly comfortable just like playing off the ball, doing what he, he needs to do to contribute. And now that he's on a team with legitimate expect, expectations, like as far as the Nuggets got last year, I'm sure they they think themselves that they can do just as well, if, if, if not better. So I'm sure he's going to be happy to fit in to, to do what he can to help the team get there as well as like he's just a guy who's just going to find a way to to just contribute yeah and they're going to be a a dominant rebounding front court with the likes of gordon porter jr and Jokic. they're just going to absolutely eviscerate teams on the glass i think that's an underrated part of this trade and then you know i'm curious to get your take on the orlando side of this if you felt like this was was enough in return for gordon who of course has this year and next year left on his contract a pretty reasonable contract that i think was descending as the years went on uh but uh, again getting a first round pick getting gary harris and then getting a flyer with a young young wing in rj hampton yeah i was i was expecting maybe two first round picks for uh aaron gordon but I mean, it was at this point, and like it's getting late at like the trade deadline. I, I mean, this happened pretty early today, but you're still up against it with the deadline being a couple hours away. So I, I'm not surprised they they just got with what they could. And but Gary Harris, like he's not, I wouldn't call him young anymore. He's definitely disappointed through his couple years after he signed a contract extension with Denver. Um, who knows? Maybe he needs a, a change of scenery because he was on a good path where. Uh, he had like real expectations to take a leap, and it just didn't happen. And RJ Ham- RJ Hampton, like I'm, I'm, I didn't really get to see too much of him, so I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, I, I think it was a reasonable return. I, I'm with you though. I think I was expecting a little bit more, and even if it wasn't two first round picks, you know, maybe they could have gotten Hampton and like a Zeke Naji, who was the Denver first round pick from la- this past year, or you know, Hampton and Bull Bull, you know, get a couple of those young guys that really aren't a, a feature in the Nuggets rotation, especially now that Gordon is there. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's a reasonable package. I don't think they, they sold too low. But, uh, yeah, so Orlando certainly uh, have sold off a lot of their uh, a lot of their key guys and are, are now in full-on rebuild mode and and uh, will likely fall in the standings for the rest of this year. The you know the roster now, as it's currently constructed, is uh, is not very pretty. Oh, not not at all. I think at, at this point, like right now, starting Michael Carter Williams at point guard, and Gary Harris has been injured. So I'm sure whenever he's healthy, he'll be the starter. But for now, it'll probably be Terrence Ross. And you're looking at uh, Wendell Carter is probably gonna come in and start. Still, 
it's either going to be probably, probably Chuma Ukiki's going to start. And at the, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to piece together, like, who's this, like, who should be the starting lineup? And, like, it, it's not going to be pretty. Like, they're going to immediately drop to one of the worst teams in the league, which I guess with this draft coming up, it's not a bad spot to be. But it's, it's, it's not going to be pretty in Orlando for a while. So the other move that the Nuggets made was uh, bolstering their backup center position. They ended up trading Isaiah Hartenstein, a uh, protected 2023 second-round pick, which is protected from picks 30 to through 46, and then a 2027 unprotected second-rounder to the Cavs for JaVale McGee. So, you know, going into to this season, obviously a couple of their free agent losses were uh, Jeremy Grant and, and Mason Plumley, and, and they didn't do a very good job of, of replacing either of those guys, but they filled both of those holes. Uh, how do you feel about McGee being the backup center in Denver? I love McGee as the backup because I mean, like Javale, like he's been his whole career has been like he's been the butt of all the jokes. But he's he's actually not a bad player, and I love the idea of him being just vastly different from uh, Jokic. Whereas you know, Javale's gonna come in and he's a, he's a really good rim runner and like running uh, pick and roll with uh, Monty Morris. Like I think that could be a strong that, that could be a strong suit for that second unit. Like I, I like what he'll give him there and then. Defensively, him his intimidation just protecting the rim. Like I'm, I'd like the the move for Javale McGee. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Just the contrast the teams will have to go through playing the Nuggets, where you play this ground pound, incredibly skilled center in Jokic, and then McGee comes in, who is just like a, a whirling dervish, where he's jumping all over the place and and catching lobs, and he's got these crazy long arms, a, a crazy athlete. Yeah, I think it's a good fit. I also like the fact that he is more of a an offensive center, I, I think that is, uh, you know, a good fit. You know, when Jokic goes off the floor, I think Denver's offense dips dramatically. So getting a guy to replace him who's, you know, a better offensive player than, obviously, Hartenstein is a, is a plus. Uh, I still I still question, though, you know, and, and I think the management recognized this, that even though Hartenstein was probably like the 12th best player on this Nuggets roster, that he was still playing because Malone just has this tendency to always play a traditional center as opposed to playing a Jamichael Green or a Paul Millsap at the backup center. What are your thoughts on that? Do you do you still prefer like a JaVale McGee playing those 15 minutes at backup center, or would you rather them, especially with Gordon there now, just slide a, a Green or a Millsap there to the backup five? I think it it's really like whatever you prefer in terms of like like Javale's ability to just attack the rim or like roll to the rim is like that's that's an important thing and like he like if if he fits into the Denver scheme with that it's like Javale's creating some some gravity right there and like me personally I like the idea of a center that 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 can do that but putting or throwing Paul Millsap at center, like he's, he's, he's going to space the floor. He's, he's going to shoot threes. I think there's plenty of value in something like that too. Um, like I, 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 I always like, like you said, with Hardenstein being on the court all the time and last year going to like the, some plumbly lineups, like I didn't like that very much. Um, but I think McGee is a, he's a, he's a capable center and I'm, I'm a big fan of like the, the idea of throwing, just a traditional center like McGee out there. 
Yeah, I really like what uh, what Denver pulled off and on this deadline, and and I really like the fact that you know Gordon is uh, you know is has got a contract through next season as well. I think that's big for Denver, so they can really kind of look at these this year and next year as kind of their 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 window here where they can spend some extra money outside of just Jokic, Porter Jr., and Murray because then after next season that would be when when theoretically Porter Jr.'s next contract would uh, would kick in. So I, I really like it for Denver. I think they're they're right up there uh, amongst the, the top contenders for for this year and next. But uh, another team that's trying to be in that uh, in that category is the Los Angeles Clippers and they made a move right at the the wire of the uh, the end of the trade deadline getting Rajon Rondo from the Atlanta Hawks and uh, in return they had to uh, give up Lou Williams for salary matching purposes and then also two second round picks there's uh, you know obviously this is always going to be sort of a controversial topic uh, discussing whether Rondo is a is a good deal for the Clippers because you know we saw him in the playoffs last year with the Lakers of course there's the the playoff Rondo where he was excellent but then this year with Atlanta he has been absolutely terrible yeah like he's been hurt I would say for half the games and the other half that he did play just not good so I got to think that the Clippers are counting on the fact that they're going to get playoff Ronda. And I don't know. I I mean, I I guess like he's earned playoff Ronda for a reason because he was pretty good in the playoffs last year. But every year in in the regular season, he's just underwhelming. So it's definitely a a gamble, but I don't think they, they gave up much to get him, so. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people are saying that uh, it's it's weird that the Clippers gave up the second round picks be, for a downgrade, essentially saying that Lou Williams is better than Rashad Rondo, and and I think to a certain extent that's true, especially again in the regular season. Um, but it, it's it's funny the contrast between those two players because yeah, Rondo is known for stepping up in the postseason, and Lou Williams is kind of known for, you know. Um, not uh, not being as effective against locked in defenses, so it's it's kind of a sort of a uh, a challenge trade there for the Clippers, and they're certainly banking on on playoff Rondo. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. But uh, you know, I've been saying for for quite a while that I thought it would have been a, a great move to to get George Hill, but uh, in, instead they opted for for Rondo. And the team that swooped in to get George Hill was the Philadelphia 76ers. They ended up trading. Tony Bradley, a 2025 second-round pick, and a 2026 second-round pick to the Thunder to get George Hill. And then uh, the the Knicks came in as a part of a three-teamer, and and they ended up trading Austin Rivers to the Thunder, Izzy Brezdakis to Philly, and uh, and acquired Terrence Ferguson in that deal. But, uh, you know, Philadelphia was rumored for, uh, for the longest time to be one of the suitors for Kyle Lowry. That ended up not materializing. But they do get a guy in George Hill who's got plenty of uh, playoff experience. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this move. I kind of, I, I, I kind of, I knew the Kyle Lowry thing was being talked about a lot, and for some reason, I just didn't believe it was going to come to fruition. And I thought George Hill would probably be like their backup plan. And I, I really like the move for, for George Hill. He's going to be, a, he, like, he, he's going to be a really solid point guard for like the bench unit. And I, I think he's going to be an upgrade over Shake Milton being the the main ball handler for for the second unit. And I, I I think like it just adds another element to the Sixers team where you, like it gives them different options to go to down down the stretch where you need more ball handlers on the floor other than 
really Ben Simmons. Yeah, and it, it maintains sort of their their uh, preferred style of just playing these huge lineups, even though I think Hill is just 6'4". I think he's got a, uh, a 6'9 or 6'10 wingspan, similar to Shake Milton, who is, who's that height, and just his wingspan is way bigger than that. So they, they continue to have a team that uh, you know is, is able to switch across multiple positions, and Hill, obviously, a great shooter. Uh, the Sixers can always use more shooting, especially uh, surrounding the likes of, of Embiid and Simmons. But uh, the, the other team, you know, the, uh, one of the other teams, of course, it was Philly, Miami, and the, the Lakers all sort of uh, trying to acquire Kyle Lowry, or at least calling in and, and submitting offers. Uh, but uh, Miami was a team that uh, I've heard Brian Windhorst called Miami Heat the winner of the trade deadline. I'm, I'm interested to get your thoughts on that. But uh, the Heat uh, made a couple of moves. They, they traded Chris Silva and Mo Harkless to the Sacramento Kings for Nemanja Bialica. And then getting Bialica that stretch four allowed them then to use Kelly Olynyk in a trade with Avery Bradley and 2022 first-round pick swap rights for, uh, with the Houston Rockets to acquire Victor Oladipo. And then there's also uh, news that uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is expected to sign with Miami as soon as his buyout is complete with the Spurs. So, yeah, Darius, what do you think about what the the Heat did to, you know, obviously a team that has disappointed for much of this season and uh, is is trying to get back to that level where they, they made the finals last year? Uh, I think the Heat got Oladipo and Aldridge and He'll be, he, he's, a, he's a strong piece to come off the, off the bench. Um, they got those guys for essentially nothing. So I think the Heat did very well. I think the Heat did very well because Avery Bradley wasn't really playing much. He's been hurt for a while. Um, Mo Harkless wasn't doing much. I don't think Chris Silva is that great of an NBA player. And I, don't, I think the pick swap isn't really a huge deal with – or I, I don't think it's going to affect the Heat too much. Right. I mean, the the assumption there is the only way that actually negatively impacts the Heat is if somehow the Heat are picking earlier in the draft next season than than the Rockets, which is unlikely. Yeah, but that's that's so unlikely. So I'm just and they're getting the markets on the buyout market probably. I mean, I guess that's that's not a that's not a 100 fact yet, but it's that, I think that's where it's probably going. So they're getting all those guys for, I guess, just like pennies. And, yeah, it's like those guys aren't going to hurt them. Like, they're going to help. But, like, I, I feel like Oladipo has to, you know, he, he kind of has to take it back a little bit. Like, he's not the Victor Oladipo of a couple years ago. He, he can't just come in and take a ton of shots. He's got to, you know, fit into what Miami's trying to do. But assuming all those things come, in, come into play, like, they got some really good players for really, really cheap. Yeah, and, and we should mention, too, that uh, this didn't happen on trade deadline day, but last week they, they acquired Trevor Ariza as kind of one of the first moves in this uh, lead-up to, to the deadline. Uh, and I agree with you in terms of, yeah, they, they didn't give up much at all to make these upgrades, but my question is, you know, how big of upgrades are these? You know, is, is I think Bielitsa might be slightly better than Kelly Olynyk. You know, obviously Trevor Ariza is an upgrade over uh, over the likes of Mo Harkless and who they had there, but he's uh, I don't know if he's a if he's better than what they had last season in Jay Crowder, for instance. I guess I tend to think of their uh, like their issues last year. Like 
Uh, and it was it was kind of like just like really really bad. Like when it got to the finals with Dragic and uh, Bam getting hurt, like there were no there were no real other like creators other than Jimmy Butler. And you saw Jimmy Butler, he was just exhausted after Game Five, and because like, he was the only one who could really do something against the Lakers' defense. So now they have several guys who you can count on to do something with the ball in their hands, like. While you don't want Oladipo to just take over the game like he's been trying to do, I guess in Houston and his last part of Indiana, but like he has the ability to like where you can give him the ball and he can make something happen. And Jimmy Butler's still the guy, and now you have Drogic. And I like the idea of putting those guys together like once the playoffs come, and like it, it just it just gives you different looks. Yeah, um, I guess for me, I'm just really low on Oladipo. And also, you know, the Aldridge, if they do end up signing Aldridge, it's one of those things where I still think their best lineups are with Bam at the five. Uh, so so I don't know how, you know, Aldridge certainly, I don't think it's going to be closing games for them. You know, yeah, can he give them some, some decent bench minutes? Perhaps. Uh, but, but Oladipo, you know, you talk about a guy that's shooting 32% from three this year. His efficiency is, is very poor. Uh, yes, he's he's a he's a strong defender. Although I, I don't think his defense is quite as good as it has as it was just a few years ago. Um, so you know you you talk about a a team that's best two players are Butler and Bam who are limited as shooters. You throw all the depot on the floor with them, and all of a sudden I wonder, okay, does this team, do these lineups have enough spacing? Uh, yeah, I think the spacing is like that's going to come into play, but I mean. It's. I, I think it gives uh, Spolstra plenty of options because they, they still have here, they still have Duncan Robinson, and while I think all those guys like they kind of, they've, they've kind of been a little disappointed this year. It's like you, you still have those guys, so like it like now's the time. I'm pretty sure like they're going to find themselves or playing or they're not going to be in a playing game. So I, I, I would like to think it goes that way. So they have. Plenty of, or I guess they have enough games where like, he can experiment with lineups to see what works, like what what are good combinations. Because I think he has good, like he, he has a solid core here where he can just mix and match to see who can go with who before you know it gets to that that point in playoffs where you, you need to have a definitive group. And I think this is a good group to choose from. Yeah, um, I uh, again I I would say I, I like their moves. You know, a, a bit. I don't think they're like the clear, the far and away the winner of the trade deadline. I think they they improved around the margins, and uh, you know, again, as you said, didn't really have to give up much at all to do so. And they also didn't forfeit their uh, their cap space for next off season, which I think they they value. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it'll be. It'll be fascinating to see, you know, what this team is uh, is going to be capable of. But they're they're kind of a roster where it's like, yeah, I, you know, if this was 2018, I would love this roster, you know, with uh, with Ariza, Aldridge, Oladipo, and 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 those guys. But uh, you know, it's 2021, and these guys aren't uh, aren't the same players. But um, let's uh, let's move on to Toronto then. And you know, obviously the the big news was that they didn't uh, ultimately trade. Kyle Lowry. There were uh, apparently offers on the table from Miami that was headlined by Duncan Robinson and 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 maybe a first round pick. I, I don't know the exact details. Uh, you know the Lakers apparently were offering a package that I, I believe included a first round pick, but they were they were unwilling to include Taylor Horton Tucker. 
the Heat were unwilling to include Tyler Hero in the deal. I think that was the big sticking point. And then the Sixers, you know, they had a package. I'm not sure if they offered both Maxi and Thibel and a, and a first, but Masai uh, um, Ujiri, the GM of the Raptors, looked at all those deals and, and tried to get the teams to, to throw in to that little bit extra uh, right at the end and kind of have a bidding war, but nobody gave him a deal that he was happy with, so he just said, you know, this Kyle Lowry's a, a franchise legend. We, we can just hold on to him, and, and maybe we'll get a... Uh, uh, a package for him with a sign and trade in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, I think like that's worth it because like he's a valuable piece. Like I, I believe where he would have went, whether it been the Sixers or the Heat or the Lakers, like he puts them in the driver's seat for that particular conference, and he's a great player. And to, like I, I guess they, if you're not if you're not getting the value. You want for him? Maybe the sign and trade still works out because 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 Kyle, I, I can imagine that he would he would still want to do right by the franchise, so he he might try and help facilitate that deal, which hey, it, it, it's still better than what they would have potentially gotten now. So I'm I'm perfectly on board with the decision to to, to not. What do you think about the the Lakers? You know, if it, if it really was Taylor Horton Tucker was the sticking point. Do you feel like that was a mistake for for Los Angeles to not go all in to to win the title this year? Uh, yeah, because I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not ever going to count LeBron out, but you got to get these championships while you can. Because while LeBron is LeBron, he, he's not going to play forever. So, like, there's no guarantee you'll win next year or the year after that. And I know you like they've signed AD for. For a five-year deal, so he's going to be there for a while. But you got to strike by the iron's hot. Teams, the team's really good now, and like you, you do have a few injuries, but I don't think Taylor Horton Tucker should should be like the piece that keeps you from a potential uh, like season changer. Like like Kyle, Kyle Lowry could could be the difference between a championship and not a championship, and I don't think Taylor Horton Tucker should be should should keep you from from that. Agreed. Yeah, I um, you know, if if the package was, for instance, Dennis Schroeder, Montrez Harrell, Taylor Horton Tucker in that 2027 first, uh, I pull the trigger on that. Frankly, um, you know, not only are you just getting an immediate upgrade, uh, Lowry is much better than Dennis Schroeder. I don't think it's close. Um, and uh, you know, Harrell, I think, is going to be limited in terms of his minutes in the postseason, given they've got Gasol, Anthony Davis can play a lot at the five. Uh, they can play Markeith Morris at the five as well. So I don't think losing Harrell would have been, you know, I think it might hurt them in the regular season a bit, but uh, it, I don't think it would have been that uh, detrimental in the postseason. And, and yeah, as you said, LeBron is, uh, is getting up there in age. The best chance, uh, basically, for the Lakers moving forward, their best chance to win the title is the current year that we're talking about. Uh, yeah. Given his uh, his uh, possibility for regression with uh, with old age. So let me ask you a, a question. To, I guess while we're still in the Lakers, like if Drummond gets bought out, and I, I've heard some rumors that he like he he might end up on on the Lakers. Like, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 not that high on Andre Drummond. Uh, I I never really have been. I think he's you know he's got uh, he's obviously a a very good individual rebounder. He's not a box out guy. You know his teams. Have historically not rebounded as well with him on the floor as they have with him off, which is not a good sign. 
but he does have very good hands. He is just a massive human being, so I, I do think he is a plus defensively. Uh, but but I think he's a below-average offensive player. You know, he's got this finesse style. He often likes to, uh, you know, post up or, or shoot jumpers, which are both weaknesses of his. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that's a, a, a big mover for the Lakers, especially since, they, you know, they have Marc Gasol, who is, uh, is a better defensive center. And, and, yes, Gasol has not been great this year. But, uh, yeah, I don't think that's a game-changer, you know, would I do it if I was them? You know, if if he's wanting to come there, certainly. You know, always getting some some extra big man depth can can always help. But yeah, I don't I don't think that's a game changer. Yeah, I, I, that's kind of well. I, I asked a question because like that's why I thought they might be willing to get rid of Harold because if Drummond wants to come there in the buyout market, then I don't think what what Drummond's going to give you is going to be so much different than what Harrell was, 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 was going to give them. And that may have, and, and you know, trading Harrell in a deal for Lowry may have made the Lakers a more appealing destination for Drummond. Yeah. Yeah, and so like that, I guess like that's, like, is like Drummond, like, I, like you said, I'm not super high on him either. Like I think his best, uh, he, he's only like 27. I kind of think his best days are behind him. So, so I'm, I'm not sure, like, what the truth is to the to like the thoughts that he, like he might he, he might go there, but I, I think it's uh, it's an interesting thought to, to see like what what comes of that. Yeah, he would have been an interesting just replacement for Harrell in terms of just being that regular season innings eater and more of a uh, you know minor contributor in the postseason. But uh, yeah, nonetheless, they they didn't uh, they didn't pull the trigger so. You know, Toronto uh, was was still active, though, despite not making the the Lowry deal. And this is one of the most fascinating trades of the day. And I've heard, you know, sort of people commending both sides of this. But uh, the the Raptors ended up trading Norman Powell to the uh, Portland Trailblazers. And in return, they uh, they acquired Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. What was your um, immediate reaction to that deal? I th- I, my first thought was like the Blazers got a, an upgrade. I, I, th- I think I think I think this is a, a win for the Blazers. Not to say that the Raptors did poorly in this, but I think the Blazers got the better end of this deal because Norman Powell has just been on fire all season. He's he's just hitting everything that he, th- he throws up. So I, f- I feel like an, another score for this team is a good thing. Um, like. In, in the offseason, they, they, they kind of tried to go all in on defense with adding Covington and uh, Derrick Jones Jr. So I, I feel like adding another, like another great, or not not great, but another solid score off the bench, it's a good move. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I kind of had the opposite reaction. I kind of felt like this was a home run for the, for the Raptors. Uh, my, my immediate thought was, okay, so... Obviously, uh, Portland, you know, is, is focused on the present because Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum are, you know, in their late 20s, early 30s. You know, they're, they're not getting any younger. The time seems to be now in Portland. But, you know, I think a couple of years ago, you probably would have said, well, Damian Lillard and, and, and C.J. are at their best right now, and they won't be as good in a couple of years. But they're both having career years <laughs> right now. So... 
who knows, like, they, they might still be just as good as they are right now next season and, and the year after that. It's possible. Uh, so, so I wonder, like, okay, Gary Trent Jr. is a restricted free agent this upcoming offseason. He's 22 years old. He's likely going to continue to get a lot better. Norm Powell is 27, going on 28. He's an unrestricted free agent. Uh, so, you know, he, we're probably seeing the best of Norman Powell right now. He's having a career year. So while, yes, this might be a slight upgrade for Portland for this season, you know, I think Powell is is a bit better in terms of uh, transition play. He's a lot better than Trent Jr. in terms of attacking the rim off of closeouts. Um, but I also think Trent Jr. is a better defender. Uh, Trent Jr. Is, is three inches taller. Uh, he's got more active hands than Powell. So, you know, while I do think it, it might be a slight upgrade for this season for Portland, I, I think the, the, the cost of losing a guy in Trent Jr. who you had team control over is, is a bit too much. Yeah, and I was, I, I was thinking that, like, what he was going to cost in, in terms of, like, restricted free agency kind of spooked him a little bit. Just because, like, Gary Trent Jr., like, he has played pretty well. But won't Powell make just as much as an unrestricted free agent, if not more? I mean, you might be right. And, and like, Powell has, like, for some reason, I just don't think his shooting is sustainable, even though he's been doing it all season. Um, So, I'm, so, like, could he, like, not get as much or, like, could they get him for for a, a little cheaper, possibly? Just because, like he, like like you said, he, he he's older and like like is this the player who he, who who he is? I'm 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 not sold on it, and I don't I, I can't be sure that like other teams around the league are like we're going to pay uh, Norman Powell fifteen twenty million a year. So, but I mean, I can see Gary Gary Trent Jr. Like he's like he's still really young, and like he still has room to grow. So I can see a team wanting to pay him more. And like Portland, they're not they're not in a position where like they can just keep giving out more and more money. So like if it, I guess if, if they think that like we could potentially get Norman Powell cheaper, I don't I don't I don't hate it. Yeah, I'll be I'll be fascinated to see yeah the market for those two guys again. I think the the restricted free agency aspect of it, where teams have to wait, uh, what is it, two or three days for for the the team to potentially match, is uh, oftentimes lowers the price for for those guys. Whereas the unrestricted free agents end up getting about as much as as you would expect. So, yeah, I mean. Uh, I was hearing even in the days leading up to the deadline that there were, uh, in terms of teams that were interested in, in trading for Norm Powell at the at the deadline, it was in the teens. So uh, there there are a lot of teams, maybe even half to more than half of the NBA, that I think would be thrilled to have Norm Powell on their roster. So yeah, it, it's a it's a gamble, and and perhaps for Portland, yeah, you mentioned it. They've got uh, they've got tax issues coming up. They're they're paying Damian Lillard a ton of money over the next few years and and same with McCollum. So, maybe this was a situation where they're they're not going to pay for either of these guys, then they're just doing a rental for the rest of this season. So, in that case, we'll just uh, we'll just take a bit of an upgrade. So, but you know, if you're a Blazers fan, and and if that's the case, that's also disappointing because that just means that ownership is is not willing to to spend for for a quality player to to help Dame compete for championships. 
Yeah, I, and I I see your point where it's like you 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 do have to spend like if if you have a good player on the roster, you got to pay to keep him. But they've I, I feel like they've been spending money for a while, and it just always goes in the wrong place. Like a couple years ago, who was it? It was Evan Turner and Alan Crabb and Myers Leonard, and like they they just spend money in the wrong places all the time. And now it's it's got them in the situation that they're in now, where it's like they're just consistently over the tag, or like they're 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 in electric tax, and the team isn't. They're they're just like not good enough to like win a championship, and to consistently be this expensive, I could like I understand like why you want to not be this expensive if you're not going to be that good. Yeah. Um... Well, I'm still I'm still very excited to see how Powell looks with with the Blazers and and. And as you said, I'm also interested in seeing if that shooting, despite the fact that, you know, I, I was looking at the stats, Powell shot uh, 40% last year from three, and he's up at like 43.5% this season. So um, as, as a shooter, I think that they're pretty similar in terms of the last two years. I think Trent Jr. was around 43% last year, and this year he's at 40. So... Um, yeah, you know, the the other factor to consider here, you know, if you're talking about this is just for this season, this trade for, for Portland is focused on this year, there's also the chemistry to consider, too, where Trent Jr. had been around for a few years, he knows the system, and Powell has got to get integrated quickly here. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a fascinating trade, and, and I can see both sides of it, but, uh, yeah, I tend to lean towards, uh, I think it's a great move for Toronto getting getting Trent Jr. with the core of, of Siakam, Ananobi, and Van Fleet. And, and again, with team control, they, they are pretty confident they can keep him. Uh, so so I, I, I like it for Toronto a little bit more. But, yeah, I see it for Portland. And, and yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. But, uh, yeah, the, the other couple of moves the Raptors made, and I think this was in part the, the motivation was to set up a potential Lowry deal. Uh, where they, they ended up trading Matt Thomas to the Utah Jazz for a 2021 second-round pick, which is uh, the, the Warriors' second-round pick. So a decent pick there. I think that'll be in the 40s, likely. Um, but uh, I think that was, again, to open up a roster spot to do like a, a lopsided deal in the Lowry trade, where you trade Lowry and take three or four guys in return. They also traded Terrence Davis the third to Sacramento, for a 2021 second round pick, which is uh, owned by Memphis. So they got a couple of decent second round picks for offloading those guys. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure if they would have offloaded them if they would have known that the Lowry deal was not going to materialize. Yeah, I I, I thought everything was was setting up to it for for like Lowry to be moved in because like they have, or like they were, they have a few extra roster spots open up, so it like it just made sense that like they were going to trade Kyle Lowry and expect to get back several players, and it's it's fine that it's not going to go that way because like they still give themselves a nice shot at doing something in the playoffs. I don't expect them to to go too far, but they still have, like they still have a solid team here. But yeah, like those trades, it was I, th- I think they were expected to just. In Toronto's terms, clean house and get as much back as they could. And it was disappointing to see that not happen because I think Kyle Lowry deserves it. And I, I like this this Toronto team. I, I'd like to see them, you know, kind of with a with a fresh start. Right. Yeah. Um, and again, they they might be able to still do that in the in the off season with a potential sign and trade. And uh, 
you know, maybe maybe Lowry would be willing to sign a deal for them for a discount, just a hometown discount. I, I think that's unlikely, but, uh, you know, that that's also a possibility. Um, as far as uh, Sacramento, I just mentioned they, they acquired Terrence Davis III in that deal, giving up a second-round pick. They also acquired uh, DeLon Wright from the Detroit Pistons and uh, gave up Corey Joseph, a 2021 second-round pick via the Lakers, and then their own... 2024 second. So Sacramento, you know, a team that there there was rumors initially that, hey, maybe uh, Harrison Barnes was on the trade block, but then they kind of pushed back against that saying, no, we're still, uh, despite the fact that we're the 13 seed in the West, we're still competing for the playoffs. Um, they, they didn't end up trading Barnes and instead they were giving up assets to, uh, to add talent. And you know the the one guy they sold in Bielitsa, they didn't get a pick in that, as far as I as far as I know, they just got matching salary. So, uh, for a team that that is uh, you know for a team like the Kings, who really has De'Aaron Fox and Halliburton, two young guards that they should be focused on building around, they offloaded assets and really were a buyer when they very uh, very much should have been a seller. Yeah, I was really like like the piece I was really expecting them to move was uh, Rashawn Holmes because he's an expiring contract and he's going to I, I assume like he's going to be pretty expensive and because he's played he's he's played well this year and he he brings a lot to any team that he's he's going to be on and I, I feel like a lot of teams would have, would have paid a nice price for him and they could have matched whether it be picks or young players like they could have matched those like you said with. Halliburton and Fox and like I I just never know what the Kings are doing so yeah like not getting back picks not getting back young prospects for veterans is head scratching yeah and like you know DeLon Wright and and Terrence Davis will help they're they're solid rotation pieces but yeah I I don't think they should be helping their current team that's how I feel like trying to compete now is just like they they have the worst defense in, in the league and I guess like the pieces that they got will make them the third worst in the league. Like I, I just, I just don't get it. Yeah, it's 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 quite confusing. They have been a mess for for many years. Let's get back to Chicago. You know, we we, we mentioned right out at the at the jump that uh, they they made the deal with the Magic for Vucevic. That was the big deal they made. But they also made some ancillary moves as well, uh, ending up uh, trading Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchinson to the Wizards for. Troy Brown and Mo Wagner, and then they rerouted Wagner to the Celtics for Daniel Tice and Javante Green. So, you know, Chicago kind of overnight were able to get an all-star center in uh, in Vucevic, and then also in, in Daniel Tice, I would say he's arguably one of the best backup centers in the league now. Yeah, I, I, I would say the same thing. Like, if if for whatever reason Vucevic can't be on the court, it's like you have a pretty strong, you have, you have, a, you have, you have a really strong backup center, and like you, like pairing him with uh, Markkanen, I, I think like that's that's a good pairing. Like like you're not count, counting on Markkanen to to do things for you defensively, but that's why you have Tice, or that's why I have Amina. Like exactly, like, yeah, it's um. It's an interesting haul, and then also, you know, they, they get a, a flyer on Troy Brown, who, you know, 
I was a bit confused why why uh, Washington was so willing to just like toss him in. I mean, he had been in trade rumors for for months now. So uh, so you know, a, a wing, an athletic wing that that they can take flyer on, I think, is another solid solid bet by the Bulls. I I think they did a pretty good job, even though again, similar to the Sacramento situation, I think you know Chicago being in the Eastern Conference, they're they're in the playoff picture because the East is so weak. Uh, so, you know, I, I do think that they should maybe be more, you know, tanking to the bottom as opposed to fighting for the eighth seed. But the, there's also the part of me that really is going to enjoy watching Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic run pick and pop. Yeah, and I, I don't think by any means, like, they can't win a playoff game and climb to, like, the seventh or eighth seed. And do they get beat in the first round? More than likely, yes. But... I think like 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 this is something sh- they have a strong future ahead of them because they had Bucevic locked in for several years. Levine's still going to be there, and I don't know what's going on with their point guard situation because Kobe White is now benched. But like that's something to to address in in, in the offseason. And I like the, the their future is looking more and more bright just after like this trade. And I'm assuming Billy Donovan will be able to like piece it together. And they have good depth. They have they have, they have good shooters, solid defense. They just they just have to find a, a point guard. And like I don't mind these deals because I I think it's putting them in a great direction. And as as long as they just get a serviceable point guard, I, I think they're in a really good spot. Yeah, I mean uh, Vooch has been around so long that I think a lot of people would assume he's in his mid thirties, but he's only thirty. So you would yeah. you would hope if you're a Chicago fan that he is at this sort of all-star level for the the remainder of his contract for the next couple of years. And as you said, him and Levine as a duo, that's going to be very filthy. I, I would expect this team to be, you know, uh, I, I think I would be disappointed if they weren't a top 10 offense for the remainder of the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, Levine by himself has just been on fire all season. And I think that, like, that can even... Like, he, he can even get better with Booch because, like, Booch just gives you a whole bunch of options offensively. Um, he's he's good in the post. He can pick and pop. He's one of the best at that. So, just gives Levine a bunch of options that he just he just didn't have a week ago. So, yeah, like, this offense is going to be great. It's just really going to come down to, like, how good are they going to be defensively and, and, like, what they're going to do, like, again, with the punk guard position, which I don't think they're getting too much from, but well, I think that's what it's going to come down to for them. What do you think about the Boston side of this deal? Obviously, uh, you know, we, we mentioned they, they acquired Fournier earlier, and then, you know, in this deal, offloading Tice for for uh, Mo Wagner. And, you know, I think that's a downgrade. It could be tax-related, but, uh, you know, it also might just be a situation where Danny Ainge and, uh, and Brad Stevens are, are really high on a guy like Robert Williams, who, you know, I am too, and that, you know, Tice is kind of finding his way uh, to the point where he was going to be sort of uh, on the fringes of the rotation. Yeah, that's that was that was my bet was that it was like Robert Williams. Like he's been playing more and more the past couple weeks. So I, I'm just I'm just thinking like because like Wagner for Tice, like like that it's, itself makes no sense. But if you just wanted to clear space for Robert Williams to get more time, sure, because he's been he's been playing. He's, 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 he has been playing well in the time he, he's been given, and you still have Tristan Thompson 
to, to go up against, uh, I guess, like, when you get to the playoffs, like, Tristan Thompson can guard a, a bigger center like Embiid, and, <clears throat> like, you're going to need the bodies for him. So I, I don't like the move, but I can understand it. Yeah. So uh, another sort of fringe contender in the in the West that uh, that made a deal right right at the end was uh, the Dallas Mavericks. They they traded James Johnson, Wes Wundu, and a second round pick to the New Orleans Pelicans for JJ Redick and Nicolo Melli. And uh, there was also a, a third team situation. The Spurs came in and and. Uh, I'm not sure what San Antonio got in the deal. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you have that information, but they ended up giving Dallas Trey Lyles. Uh, but uh, a package where, you know, Dallas has been slightly disappointing on, on both ends of the floor. And so they, they added a couple of shooters, and especially a guy in J.J. Redick, who, uh, you know, will, will probably get plenty of open looks playing with uh, Luka Doncic. Yeah, I was just, I, I, I'm not sure about, like, the, uh, San Antonio side of it. I, um, I, I saw that uh, Trey Lyles' name was mentioned, but then I thought I thought I saw that maybe San Antonio had pulled out of it. So oh, maybe I, that's I, the case. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not 100 percent sure of it, um, but I, I do like JJ Redick and Nicole Melly going there just because just by surrounding Luca with more shooters is never a bad thing. Like Luca's, like he's going to create a bunch of offense by himself, and the more shooters you, you add around him makes that offense a lot more dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and again, not having to, to give up much other than salary matching and a, and a second-round pick to make that happen. Solid move for the Mavs. A couple moves on the fringes that we'll just get to for uh, for the sake of uh, covering all of the deals. Uh, the Golden State Warriors traded Brad Wanamaker to the Charlotte Hornets for cash considerations, and I assume for Charlotte that's just uh, bolstering the backcourt after the LaMelo injury news. And then uh, also Golden State traded Marquise Chris and cash to San Antonio for uh, a guy that uh, I hadn't heard of (laughs) before, but uh, Katie Lelane, who I believe is playing in the Korean Basketball League after a quick Google search. Yeah, so he's he's, he's not even in the NBA, so the just wanted some extra, some, some more uh, roster space. Well, and, and probably just to get off of the salary because they're in, in tax hell right now. So, uh, so yeah, that, uh, that, that all makes sense, but not to, that neither of those deals are particularly interesting. So, Darius, now that we've kind of covered all of the, uh, the maneuvers, if you want to pick one or two teams that you felt uh, really did a great job at this trade deadline, who would you go with? Uh, I would say maybe, maybe I'm a homer here, but I, I really like the, just the direction the, the, the Magic are going. Um, it's, it's like finally, like you got something for your essentially your best pieces. Like you got some pretty good value for your, your best pieces, and it puts them in a, in a position to move forward. And whether it's whether it's a season or two of tanking, like they're in a good position to do those things. And I would say like the other winners are uh, the Bulls. I really like what the Bulls did, and I'll say like my third team would be the Heat. Interesting. Okay, so yeah, I'm I'm not as high on the 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 Bulls or Heat 
side of things, even though, yeah, I, I understand Miami improved marginally. I just don't think they improved enough to make much of an impact, and, and I, don't, I don't really consider them title contenders unless all of a sudden uh, their, their, guy, their whole team gets healthy and guys start playing a lot better than they have so far. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they improved just not enough to, to really put themselves in a different tier. And then as far as the Bulls, yeah, I think just from a from a viewership standpoint, I'm, I'm going to enjoy watching them a lot more. Uh, they're going to be a lot more fun, but just from the standpoint of, yeah, they, they've, they've improved their team for sure, but uh, they also, you know, gave up some, some pretty significant assets to, to get Vooch, and, uh, you know, a Vooch-Levine 1-2 is, you know, frankly, it's kind of where Orlando was. I think that's a, a team that's going to be the six to eight seed in the East and probably, you know, losing in the first round in, in five or six games. So, uh, you know, I, yeah, both those teams got better. I just, I think the, to the extent that they got better, wasn't really enough for, for me. Um, the, the couple teams that I would like to mention, uh, I think the Sixers are a team that, that I would say, again, a, a minor deal getting George Hill, but v- giving up very little, you know, it, it was, the the uh, the theory of the the Lowry trade was interesting, but they would have had to give up Danny Green, who I think was crucial to their team's success this year. So so being able to get George Hill, who is not Kyle Lowry, but you know he's seventy uh, percent of what Kyle Lowry gives you uh, in terms of that three and D, not nearly as good on ball, but um, you know. I think he's a guy that will really help them, and for a team that's that's trying to win the East, I think he's a guy that can be their sixth or seventh man and, and be very good at that. So I think that's a big get. And then also, I, I like what Denver did. I would say Denver's a winner, given that they they gave up one first round pick, they gave up uh, you know R.J. Hampton and you know uh, and a second round pick as well, and got McGee and Gordon two legitimate upgrades that puts them in the title conversation. So. Those would be my winners. Let's hear who you got, Darius, as uh, as your losers from the deadline. I'll say my biggest loser is the Houston Rockets because they just because like they're obviously tanking, being how like just coming off of a twenty game losing streak. It's whether they meant to tank or not is like that they are, and I don't think they got anything, or they, they, they didn't get too much now that would help them next year or in any years after, and. They had some pieces that could have like facilitated that, so I think they're a really big loser here. Yeah, uh, I agree. Although I think the where they really screwed up was at the for the Dra- James Harden trade. I think the Harden trade was good in terms of the the draft capital they got, but the the mistake they made was the Levert for Oladipo swap. Uh, you know, not only would I rather just have Lavert on my team moving forward, but you know, if they were trading Lavert, who is now back and playing well for the Pacers and has a reasonable contract, I think thirty-six million for the next two years, uh, they they could have gotten a lot more value than what they got for trading Oladipo on an expiring contract. So I think that was the mistake, and you're just ex- you're you're just realizing now. Okay, well that's what. That making that mistake, you know, a month or two ago, this is what it costs you. So yeah, it was certainly disappointing for for Houston. The couple teams that I have, I question the Blazers again. Maybe Powell is uh, is a big enough upgrade over Gary Trent Jr. for this year to make a difference. But you know, if they're not winning the championship this year or not making the the conference finals, 
uh, you know, sacrificing the future and, and potentially not having either Powell or Trent Jr. on your roster moving forward is a is a big negative. And then, you know, the Kings. The Kings, to me, are, are the other loser because, again, why are they buying right now? They they maybe improved their, their bench a little bit on the fringes. But, uh, yeah, they're going to hurt their own draft pick. And they also, you know... Maybe in future years they'll they'll get more realistic and and trade Barnes and still get a a decent haul. But you know I, I think they could have theoretically gotten two first round picks for Barnes and and that is a lot to pass up on, especially given that again they're the thirteenth seed in the Western Conference. Yeah, I don't, I don't I just don't understand like why are you holding on to Barnes? Why like why are you holding on to Rashawn Holmes? Like I I I don't get it, but I mean. Well, yeah, Darius, was there anything else you wanted to talk about about the deadline or just the, uh, you know, what you're looking forward to post-trade deadline here for the rest of the year before we wrap up? Uh, I think, like, there's a lot of interesting basketball left because we have the Lakers who are pretty much going to limp to the finish line with no AD or LeBron right now. And, like, they just got to find a way to, like, to stay in the top six seeds without either of those two guys. And I really want to see... Like, I guess, like, the main thing I'm looking forward to is, like, how for real are the Phoenix Suns? Because they stayed quiet today, and they have a good team that I believe right now is second in the West. And I, I'm curious, like, like what's going to come of these guys? Yeah, the, uh, the the second half of the season should be an absolute blast. Well, Darius, thank you so much for, for, for coming on and, and taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. This is, this is great, man. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Please, if you can, if you have a moment, go to iTunes and uh, give us a rating and review, preferably five stars. And uh, if you could give any thoughts about what you like about the show, that would be much appreciated. We are also on Spotify, so uh, you can give us a rating on there as well. If you'd like to find some other content outside of this podcast, you can find me on Twitter, at Garrett Bougay, that's G-A-R-R-E-T-T-B-U-G-A-Y. I will be uh, tweeting various uh, NBA thoughts as well as some some thoughts on some other uh, interests of mine, including soccer and film and television. So uh, if you're looking for some of my takes throughout the the course of the week, you can find me there. You can find my co-host, Corbin Ford, on Twitter at CorbinNBA. That's C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. So uh, he uh, he does does a good job on Twitter as well. He's very active. I'm also doing uh, some work as a contributor for Rip City Project, which uh, does all things Blazers. So if you're looking for some written content, you can check those websites out. Corbin also does his own pod on the side called NBA Today. Uh, he, uh, he does some, some fun work over there, so, so please, I encourage you to check that out. But uh, thanks so much again for, for listening, and have a great rest of your day.